0: Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball, brought to you live from Bush Stadium today once again, Section 252 out here at Bush. My name is Jeff Jones, uh, flying solo today. Brendan unavailable for this afternoon, so we'll give you a we'll give you a solo mission to get you worked up for tonight's game between the St. Louis Cardinals and the New York Mets. Uh, mention that I'm sitting here in Section 252 at. Bush while the weather is uh, is sort of in this nice little pocket where it's nice to sit outside and not uh, not unbearably warm nor am I being rained on seems like a good time to get some of the uh, the ambient noise some of the ballpark sounds involved here to get you uh, to get you excited for this evening's game before we get into that we should probably go over last night's uh, last night's performance which is one of those games that as you sit and you watch that game, It felt consistently like it was going to be a game that the Cardinals were going to find a way to lose. Despite jumping out to a 4-1 lead in the fourth inning of last night's ballgame, the Cardinals losing a 6-5 decision in 10 innings to the Mets uh, that highlighted by a massive three-run shot by Ioannis Cespedes off of Luke Weaver in the fifth inning last night, as well as a solo home run by Jay Bruce off of Matt Bowman in the 10th, those being the big strikes that drew the Mets ahead of the Cardinals and allowed Juris Familia to shut down the Cardinals in an uneventful bottom of the 10th for a 6-5 Mets victory. I I think that the most obvious place to start with last night's game is is with the lack of control that St. Louis pitchers displayed all night long team uh, walked eight batters total, six of them by Luke Weaver, two of them by Jordan Hicks. Hicks allowing his first earned run in the big leagues and blowing his first save uh, as as he allows a sack fly from Adrian Gonzalez in his second inning of work to tie the game in the eighth inning. And I I think that as we sort of look across the... uh, look, look, look across the box score from last night's game, those walks become uh, glaringly evident as as a big problem. You know, mentioned Weaver with six walks last night, Luke Weaver walked two batters ahead of Joanna Cespedes there in the fifth inning before Cespedes connected with an 84 mile an hour middle, middle changeup that was positively crushed, annihilated out just to the right of Big Mac land here at Bush stadium. If not for the fact that there were uh, some white towers and structures in the way that could have very well, well, been one of the first balls ever hit entirely out of Bush Stadium 3. Officially last night, it was marked as the third longest home run by a visiting player in the history of the stadium, but it was 115 miles an hour off the bat. It was 463 feet away by official measurement, and it was positively crushed. Uh, After that, Mike Matheny went out to get Weaver, but that unfortunately was too late, and it did sort of seem uh, like Matheny was in a spot last night where he was going to grab his pitcher one batter too late a couple of times. Uh, Historically, that has been... Uh, a criticism of Matheny, his ability to manage the bullpen and to make sure that he's perhaps pulling his pitchers a batter too early as opposed to a batter too late. But I think that all things considered with the circumstances last night, uh, there's not much to argue with aside from perhaps the handling of Weaver with Cespedes. As we sort of wind the game backward, uh, the overarching sort of piece of information that we need to know about that game last night was that Matheny admitted after the game that Bud Norris was not available for last night's game. Despite yesterday coming after an off day, uh, Norris presented at the ballpark yesterday with what Matheny called some soreness in his right arm, in his pitching arm, said that he hoped that some rest, it would be uh, just, just a one-day type of thing. As this is being recorded here, Uh, The clubhouse doesn't open up for another 50 minutes or so. Once it's open, I'm sure Bud Norris will be a... uh a popular person to speak to this afternoon to, to get a checkup on his arm and to see how he's feeling for tonight's game but knowing that Norris was not available does I think uh, color a great deal of the bullpen decisions that were made in the rest of the game. Matt Bowman given the opportunity to pitch in the 10th inning before, he gave, before allowing the home run that ended up ending, uh, ending the game, the game winning home run to Jay Bruce, that was a spot with where the pitchers, with where you had the guys who were technically still available on the lineup card both uh, But Norris would have been, I think, a pretty natural fit. But uh, Bowman is more likely to be a pitcher who the Cardinals at this point would use in multi-inning stretches, both Bowman and John Brebbia, uh, as the Cardinals maintain an eight-man bullpen at least until Saturday, most likely. Bowman and Brebbia would be the guys who would be likely to receive those assignments but Bowman was forced into a spot in the 10th inning because there were uh, were fewer pitchers available than the Cardinals may have been counting on when uh, when the game was sort of planned out from the beginning. The other part of the game that is impacted by Norris not being available is the usage of Jordan Hicks in the eighth inning for a second inning of work last night. Uh, Hicks, Hicks pitched a flawless seventh. I tweeted as he left, uh, as the seventh inning, I should say, and the Cardinals went into the bottom of the inning with a lead that it was yet another scoreless appearance for Jordan Hicks and then immediately sort of tweeted a quote tweet and said, you know, that may have been a little premature. Uh, and lo and behold, Jordan Hicks comes back out to pitch the top of the eighth, walks two batters and innings, loses his control, and then you have Adrian Gonzalez in a position to knock in a sack fly that ties up the game. Now, the, the the challenge there for Matheny with having only one left-handed pitcher in the bullpen, and we talked about this, Brendan and I did over the weekend, uh, the challenge is... Deciding which right-handers team is comfortable utilizing in those spots against strong left-handed batters. Over the last few weeks, it's been fairly clear uh, that Matheny views Bud Norris as a guy who he is comfortable utilizing in those spots, and that Norris is a guy who is going to get some of those chances against left-handed batters. However, Without Norris being available last night, if the Cardinals were still concerned about overusing Tyler Lyons, and if the Cardinals were not comfortable with Lyons' career splits against Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez, Bruce having homered off of Lyons in his career previously, then it makes sense that, again, as game planned, that would be a spot where Norris would be likely to face those lefties in the middle of the order in an important spot late in the game. Without Norris, it falls on Hicks, who, as I mentioned, until last night had been yet to had yet to allow an earn run in the major leagues. And, and Jordan Hicks certainly has been a guy who Cardinals fans have been excited to watch pitch every time he's been out on the mound. And so uh, it's hard to have a lot of criticism for that decision. But as the game worked out and, and as Hicks sort of uh, lost his efficacy in his second inning a fork last night it's easy to see where there would in fact be uh, some criticism I think of, of, of the way that Hicks was allowed to pitch last night. The other I think uh, in, in in interesting spot in terms of the way the Cardinals opted to deploy that bullpen last night was the uh, was, was the decision to allow Luke Weaver to stay in the game. In the fifth inning, in order to face you know, a Cespedes after walking two batters, Weaver uh, got ten batters out consecutively there in the middle of the game between the third, fourth, and fifth innings. And then, as as the game spooled on through the fifth, he got the first two and then walk two consecutive hitters, the nine-spot Wilmer Flores pinch hitting, uh, and then the leadoff hitter as well, uh, or the leadoff hitter Conforto, excuse me, as well ahead of Cespedes coming up there with two on and the Cardinals with a three-run lead. Dominic Leone had started to warm in the bullpen as soon as the first walk was issued to Flores, and so uh, the Cardinals have the ability, I think, there to go to the pen and allow Leone fresh to face Suspidus rather than Allow Weaver to stay in the game and and deal with the Mets' most dangerous hitter. Uh, That that decision is one that's a little bit harder to justify. My inclination is that that's a spot where Mike Matheny may have fallen back on uh, something that he has been, I think, fairly criticized for in the past, which is his his inclination is to is to. Chase stats a little bit for his pitchers, for his uh, for his closers, for his starters. He likes to make sure the guys can get their wins, and he likes to make sure the guys can get their saves. And so last night, with Luke Weaver needing to get through five in order to qualify for a win, uh, I think it's fair to say that he was pushed probably one batter too far in leaving him in to pitch to Cespedes. Because the challenge with Weaver last night was that as the uh, as the control started to falter, and as Weaver sort of searched for ways to to, to throw. Strikes, he got away from his curveball. The curveball had been a pretty effective weapon for Weaver throughout spring training and early in the season, in that it offered a different look for hitters, and you know, provided him with a breaking ball that that prevented them from being able to sit on his changeup. Because when Weaver is limited to merely a fastball changeup sort of arsenal, then the changeup, which doesn't move very much, can can be sat on a little bit. The curveball, which comes out at a similar velocity, uh, offers at least a challenge to hitters who might want to be sitting on that changeup because the curve obviously has the kind of movement that prevents uh, very very easy, I guess, waiting on a pitch that batters know that they can hammer. But the curveball not really being a part of Weaver's repertoire last night, Cespedes was able to wait for the changeup and, and wait for a pitch that he could do some serious damage on. And lo and behold, uh, Cespedes got a changeup 84 miles an hour, middle, middle, and absolutely crushed it. So I, I think that If you are Mike Matheny, and to that point, Luke Weaver, while he'd only had allowed two hits to that point in the ballgame, had walked six – uh, I, I don't know that leaving him in to face Cespedes is probably the thing that gives the team the best chance to win. Certainly, it's a thing that that highlights to Luke Weaver uh, that you have that you have confidence in his abilities. But I don't know that, from a managerial perspective, that that would be uh, the optimal decision. And my guess is that if you were to ask Anthony under some sort of uh, under some sort of truth serum, he would probably agree that that was not the best spot in order to in order to, to utilize and get the most out of Luke Weaver's abilities. Uh, Other downsides from last night's game before we get into some of the things that were positive. Marcelo Zuna last night 0 for 5 with 4 left on base. The OPS now down to 582 for Marcelo Zuna here in the early going. Matheny said after the game that uh, certainly Ozuna is a guy who is is trying to make a strong, positive impression. uh, But to date, frankly, he just hasn't been able to deliver results. Now the challenge is going to be uh, finding obvious spots to allow him to get right. And, And Matheny did say that Ozuna is a guy who works incredibly hard uh who's been in the cage who constantly wants to talk hitting and a guy who seems like he's engaged in doing everything he can to clear up the problems he's having earlier in the season. So, uh, with all that being said, then you would hope that Ozuna would be able to hit his way out of it. But, at some point, you know, the Cardinals are going to probably have to come around to the realization that Marcelo Ozuna may be unlikely to repeat last season's results. He's not going to be a guy who puts up a sub-600 OPS over the course of a season, but he's also maybe not going to be a guy who hits 38 home runs and drives in 120 runs. That may not be the player that he really is. Now, if, if, if... The line lies somewhere in the middle, and the Cardinals are able to maintain the kind of performance they've gotten out of Tommy Pham and Jose Martinez so far. then Ozuna still represents a positive contribution to the lineup. But if they're struggling to get contributions from those other spots on the order, then it may be a more difficult challenge. Speaking of Jose Martinez, was 1-5 for five last night with 6 left on base. When you look at the line in the box score, it looks like a rough night for Jose Martinez, but 4 balls off his bat last night left with an exit velocity of more than 100 miles an hour. Two different times last night, Martinez put a ball in play with a hit probability of more than 75% and an exit velocity of more than 105 miles an hour, and both of them were caught. And so uh, Martinez hit into some extremely bad luck last night, but certainly continues to crush the ball and then and, and spray it all over the yard. The question with Jose Martinez, and there was uh, a bit about this in a good article that Joe Trezza wrote for MLB.com this morning, is, is his ability to maintain a launch angle uh, that will allow him to elevate some of these hard hit balls over the infield and and over uh, the positioning of the outfielders as opposed to smashing balls uh, directly at the fielders. It's it's a slight adjustment and one that has the potential to maybe alter his contact rate, so certainly uh, that's a difficult balance for the Cardinals to have to track down, but it is worth considering that the Cardinals would benefit obviously much more from Jose Martinez who maybe strikes out a tick more, uh, but also was able to dump more balls into play. The positives from last night's outing, uh, certainly Tommy Pham would fall into that category on base five times last night, three for three with two walks, hit a massive two-run home run, a 420-foot laser in the first inning of last night's game, Uh, a ball that never really had much arc to it, a ball that never really got very high off the ground, but that that simply uh, shot out to dead center field. You also had a really strong game last night from Colton Wong. Wong put in Two doubles, one down the right field, one down the left field line, and made a stellar defensive play in the second inning with the infield drawn in, a dive to his right to hold the runner at third, and maintain uh, a Cardinals lead there early in the game. Wong is a guy who, look, it's it's been long uh, talked about with Colton Wong. He is a guy who thrives with additional playing time. And he is a guy who gets more confident the more he's able to work into the lineup. Uh, and so finding those consistent spots for Wong is, is going to be a key to that. Now, Last night, I think that you saw some of the way the Cardinals are going to plan to do that. In that, Jed Jerko entered the game late as a defensive replacement for Matt Carpenter after Carpenter was pinch run for by Harrison Bader. Uh, some of those maybe split games for guys like Carpenter and Jerko could be a way for the Cardinals to look for some additional playing time for Wong because Wong could also serve in a similar role. Games that Carpenter starts when the game gets late and close, Wong would be a guy to bring in as a pinch runner or a defensive replacement or any number of other roles that could go a long way to allowing him to sort of stay in the groove uh, and be an effective player off the bench, even if the matchups don't necessarily suit him. The other interesting thing about Colton Wong, however, is is that he is going to be in in, in a spot this evening where with Steven Matz on the mound, a left-hander for the Mets, uh, definitely Matz on the mound, by the way, today, checked on that one, probably not likely that Colton Wong is going to be in the lineup today. And so uh, with yesterday being probably his strongest performance of the season so far, it's going to be essential for Wong to not allow himself to get, to get uh, beaten down, I guess, by maybe not having that level of playing time today that he, that he may generally want to have. And so, uh, again, as Mike Bethany sort of balances the lineup here and, and looks to work in guys, it's a good problem to have when you have more effective players than you have spots in the lineup, for sure. And the Cardinals are going to have to find an answer to that equation. Uh, and, and, and so far, they've done a pretty adequate job of making sure they do have that ready. The uh, the, the, the big mystery at the ballpark, as as we all arrived yesterday or mystery, I guess, in quotation marks, was the identity of the plan starter on Saturday in Pittsburgh for the Cardinals with Adam Wainwright Weir- Adam- Adam on the DL. Uh, every other pitcher moved up a day with the off day, moved up a start, I should say, pitching on the regular rest. And Cardinals GM Michael Gersh mentioning yesterday that with all of the uh, the weather in Chicago and the rainouts early here in the season and the excess of off days, it was nice for them to have an opportunity to allow, to allow guys to pitch on their regular schedule. Uh, with all of that being bumped up, the first time the Cardinals would need a replacement starter for Adam Wainwright will be on Saturday in Pittsburgh. Mike Matheny confirming after the game last night that it is indeed intended to be Jack Flaherty, who will get a start against the Pirates on Saturday. So uh, for Cardinals fans who may have been frustrated with the way the Cardinals have handled Flaherty so far this season and who may have an opinion that the uh, the best pitchers on the team, the, the five best starters not currently in the rotation, then never fear, you will get an opportunity to see Jack Flaherty pitch against the Pittsburgh Pirates on Saturday. I thought it was, there there was an interesting comment that Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch made in his weekly chat earlier this week, which I think sort of illustrates uh, why these short-term concerns about Flaherty may be uh, a little unnecessarily heightened. Derek's argument uh, was that Look, if you take five starters in the rotation and you assume that you have five pitchers make 30 starts, that's that's rare. But say that say that you have it happen, uh, that's still only 150 starts, which leaves 12 starts over for a guy like Jack Flaherty uh, to have the opportunity to throw in. If, say, two pitchers were to miss five starts apiece, which is not, you know totally crazy, considering Adam Wainwright is at least going to miss two here early in the season. Two pitchers missing five starts apiece means all of a sudden your quote-unquote number six guy has 22 starts available to him throughout the season, and so you can, you can see how the math works out, and so while it may feel Right now, like the Cardinals are leaning on pitchers who may, who may have their, their best days behind them, I think in the long run, uh, guys like Jack Flaherty, guys like Austin Gomber, and even John Gantt are probably all going to get opportunities to contribute to the big league club this season. We're gonna wrap up today with a shorter edition of Lock On St. Louis Cardinals. We've got to get this uh, trimmed up and uploaded, and then down to the uh, down to the clubhouse to uh, to to dig into the reporting for this afternoon's game. But thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subs- you subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. We are we are thrilled to have you. We're having a ton of fun doing these from the ballpark nearly every day. It really adds, I think, a really cool layer to sort of the uh, the coverage experience from our end. So hopefully it adds to your end as well. Brendan Schaefer is my typical co-host here. You can follow him on Twitter. At B. Schaefer 12. You can check out everything he writes about the Cardinals at KMOV.com. My name is Jeff Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at JM Jones. You can read all the things I've written about the Cardinals this year at lockedonstlcardinals.com, where you can also find the podcast and everything else you need for your Cardinals coverage. For the absent, Brendan Schaefer, my name is Jeff Jones, and this has been Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.